0: We are so glad that you have joined us today and that you actually got out of the house because, you know, there's snow on the ground. You're not supposed to go anywhere, but you guys did. And I especially want to welcome those of you that are our first-time guests. What a a great weekend to go to church or to try church for the first time. And those of you that typically attend in Jamestown and Oak Ridge, uh, we're not meeting there today, obviously, because uh, the school system decided to close. So you're joining us online. Maybe you're here in Kernersville with us. We are so glad that all of you have gathered. And if you're thinking, I don't like the snow, I just don't, because I love it. I love the snow. I absolutely love it. And this is perfect because it's it's pretty. You look at the trees. It's great. But yet you can get around. It's not debilitating. And if you're just like, I don't like snow, well, then move. Just move, okay? Because the rest of us like it. Yeah, we're glad you're at church anyway. You need Jesus. Um, (laughs) Hey, let me tell you what we're going to do next week. Next week, we're going to talk about something that I know we need to hear. Next week, as we're in this Where Is God series, we're going to talk about where God is when you don't see him, you don't feel him, you can't find him. And probably all of us, in some area of our lives, are looking for God's activity, looking for God's presence, trying to figure out what's going on, and you're thinking, and it's looking like God is absent, that God's not doing a stinking thing. Like, where is it? What's going on? Well, we're going to talk about that next week. So if you or a loved one or a friend or someone are going through something in your life, and it may not be everything in your life, or it may be everything in your life, or it could be just one thing in your life. You're like, I don't know what God, or where is God in that? And what's up with that? And we're going to talk about that next week. Last week when we kicked this series off, we wrestled with a very challenging thought that God's presence is no longer about places and spaces, that the presence of God, the fact that God is here is about people, and that's a shift in thinking, and it's a shift that was made possible by Jesus Christ when he gave his life for us. One of the many things that that accomplished was it made it so that God's presence was no longer just confined to a place or a space. Now it's about people. God is now in us. It's not about a church building anymore. It's not about this is the house of God. No, we we saw last week that this is the house of God. He is in us. And that is a revolutionary shift in thinking. No more holy places, no more holy spaces, only holy people. And we introduced to ourselves, to you, and we talked about together, kind of the theme for this whole series, is that we want to be aware because God is there. To be aware that God is there. God is where? Yes. Wherever it is you're asking the question from, God is there. And we need to increase our awareness that God is there. God is so smart. He came up with an ingenious way, an ingenious way to fill the earth with his presence. Do you know what his idea was? To fill the earth with his presence so that the world will know that God is there. Here's here's God's idea. You, me, us. God decided that the best way to put his presence on earth to accomplish his mission was to do it through his followers. It's genius. So God is in us, and then he puts us in the world. God is in us, and then he puts us where he wants us, so that he is where he wants to be in and through us. Okay? You could say it like this God's people equals God's presence, they're synonymous. The people of God should be seen as synonymous with the presence of God. And by people of God, we mean Christians, followers of Jesus, people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they're following him. So if you're not a Christian, you need to know that this could very well apply to you as you begin trusting in Jesus. And this is one of the reasons, among many reasons, why you should. And we invite you to consider it even today. But if you're a follower of Jesus... You are a part of the family of God. You are God's people and God's people equals God's presence because he's put his presence in his people. He's put his presence in and through us. So important to remember that. And by the way, this is what makes corporate worship powerful. This truth right here is why when we get in a room like this, even though God's spirit doesn't live in a room But when we, God's people, all gather in a space or a place together, what makes that special is that he's because he's in us, something amazing happens when the presence of God in me and the presence of God in you and the presence of God in you and the presence of God, God no, not you, you, right, get together and we sing songs to God and about God. It's amazing. It's amazing. This, by the way, even though we're not talking about this today, is also why Small groups are so powerful because God is in us. When we circle up, guess who's in the circle? God is. Maybe you ought to just put a chair in the room just to remind you. No, you can't sit there. Jesus is sitting there. You just sat on Jesus, right? I don't know. My mind goes crazy places, but God's presence equals God's people. It's more personal than that. The answer to the question, then, where is God? Is me. Hold on. I'm not God, but God is in me. The answer to the question, where is God? Is you. No, you're not Jesus, but if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus is in you, and you're the plan. And I'm the plan. And if suddenly right now inside of you, you feel a big, uh uh-oh, then you're feeling it right. It should make us sober up in our thinking, sober up in our living, realizing that God is in us and we are the answer to the question, where's God? So it's so important how we live. And it's so important how we do life because we represent him in the world. Now it's going to get personal. I'm just going to tell you before we're done, it's going to get really personal. And, and here, over the next few minutes, you're going to find yourself going, okay, that's interesting. That's good to know, but I'm just telling you by the time we're done, okay, this is going to get all up in our cornflakes and it needs to, it needs to, because we need this. So let me, let me take you back to the first century and kind of show you one of the places where, where we see this so clearly and how God teaches us through Jesus. In the first century, towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he was spending time with his disciples one-on-one, and just him and a group of them, a small group together, they were all talking, and he was teaching them. And towards the end of his earthly ministry, he was trying to prepare them that he was leaving which they weren't crazy about that idea, right? They just spent three years together and now you're leaving us. What is up with that? And what's going to happen? And he was like, don't freak out. It, you know, I'm going to send my spirit in you and my spirit will give you power and help you and you're going to accomplish my mission. And they're still like, you're leaving us? What? And it was just an interesting conversation that Jesus was trying to prepare them. And towards the end of this conversation, Jesus prayed for them. That's, it. That's interesting. Now, I, I think prayer would be interesting um, <laughs> in any way you look at it um, in regards to Jesus. If you were with Jesus, think about it. If you were with Jesus and Jesus was in the room with you, wouldn't prayer be kind of odd? Think about it. Like, if you're at the table with Jesus, and I'm sure they ate together all the time, Jesus says, Peter, could you pray for the food? Jesus is sitting right there. What do you do? Do you close your eyes? Or do you just look at Jesus? Hey, could you bless this? Please, in your name? Please, right? That's kinda odd, right? So, so praying, if you were a disciple, with Jesus in the room probably felt very weird. No, that's not in the Bible, but you know what happened. You, you just, it's in between the lines. So praying with Jesus in the room would be weird, but you know what would be even more weird? Hearing Jesus pray with you in the room. Especially if Jesus was praying for you. Imagine how awkward, how exposing, self-conscious you would be if you were in a room with Jesus. And Jesus started praying to the Father for you, beside you. And that's exactly what Jesus did with his disciples He was praying, after talking with them, I'm going to leave, I'm going to send you my spirit, it's going to be great, I'm going to use you greatly. He starts praying for them with them in the room. And one of the things he prayed, now this is a long prayer, you got to read about it. John chapter 17, John the apostle was there and he wrote it down. I'm so glad he did because we we need to know this. So we're not going to cover the whole prayer, but one of the things he prayed, he says, God, I'm getting ready to come to you. My time on earth is about done. But I want you to leave these disciples, my followers, I want you to leave them here. Can you imagine how frustrating that would have been? We want to go with you. Don't leave us here. And he said, no, God, I want, I'm coming to you. I want you to leave them here because I've got a job for them to do. And the reason I point that out is because not just them back then, but even still today, the number one goal for a lot of Christians is to get out of here. Right? I just, can, can heaven happen like now? Can you just get out of this icky, sticky, messy world? Like, ooh, I don't even want to be here anymore. You know, know, no, there's a reason you're here. See, a lot of people have assumed that the whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth and giving his life was just to get you to heaven. Right? The whole purpose of being a Christian is just to get to heaven when you die. Well, here's the deal. If the whole reason Jesus gave his life on the cross was to get you to heaven. If that was the only reason, then as soon as somebody embraced him as savior, he'd kill him and take him to heaven, right? I mean, if that was the whole deal, all right, you put your trust in Jesus, boom. As soon as you do that, you'd know because someone would keel over. Well, they must've got in, <laughs> right? You better be ready to die when you trust Jesus because it's over. I mean, and that's not the way it happens. You know why? Because that's not the whole point. He said, God, I'm coming to you. I want you to leave my followers here because they have a job to do. And he has left us here because we have a job to do. So that's how the prayer began. Now I want us to listen in on the second part of the prayer. The second half of the prayer is very, very powerful. Jesus shifts from praying just about the disciples that were in the room to praying about me and you. Check this out. Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, Peter, John, James, the guys in the room, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Do you know who that is? If you're a Christian, that's you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's referring to you. 2,000 years before you got here, Jesus was praying for you. Wow. Wow. And this is what he prays for us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, check this out, so that the world will believe you sent me so that the world will believe. This is important because he's going to say this twice. This is the first time. The whole point, I want them to be so unified and I want them to know that you are in them and I want them to be on the same page because that's how the world's going to know. So that the world around them, so that the culture around them, the community around them, so that the people living around them will know that this is the real deal. That this mission is true. Then he goes on says, Father, I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Check this out. I am in them and you are in me. I am in them. Who? You, follower of Jesus. You, Christian. Jesus said, I am in them. Where is God? The answer to that question is you. He goes on. May they experience such perfect unity. here it is again, the second time, that the world will know. So that the culture, the community, so that people will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And then he says this, powerful. Then your love for me will be in them. And he says it again for the second time. And I will be in them. I wonder if in that moment, The disciples kind of had a flashback to just moments before when Jesus said, I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. And that's how the world's going to know that you're my disciples. That's how the world's going to know that I love them is when they experience my love through you. He told them, and now he's praying about it in front of them. I'm going to be in them so that the world will know your love through them and the world will know me through them. That's the point. That's the plan. You see, this is a lot more than just taking Jesus to the world. This is really, listen, about being Jesus in the world take Jesus to the world by being Jesus in the world. That's what Jesus was getting at. The answer to the question, where is God? When you hear people ask that question, when you find yourself asking that question, where is God? Where is God? The answer is you, me, us together and individually. We are here. We are left here to accomplish a mission. And this is the mission. To take Jesus to the world. Not, just, not by just giving the message about Jesus. See, and that for years that's what the church and Christians thought that meant. Taking Jesus to the world. Just telling people about Jesus. Letting people know information about Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. That's only part of it. The most of it is about taking Jesus to the world by being Jesus in the world. So if that makes you feel uncomfortable, good. You're starting to get it. It makes me Terribly uncomfortable to think it. I and Jesus to others? All right, we'll get there, we'll get there. First of all, though, I want to talk about what this looks like as a local church to the culture around us, to the community around us. How we as a church, the, the summit church, are to take Jesus to the world by being Jesus in the world. We do that by serving, by meeting needs by sacrificially giving financially so that we can together serve as a church and meet needs as a church and take Jesus to our culture and our community by simply being the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Throughout history, Christianity's greatest growth has occurred when this was done right. You can go back and read it, go back and and track it. You can see when the church was most hands-on in the culture, hands-on in the community, that's when the church saw its greatest impact. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The world needs to have a positive response to our presence as a church, even though they may not have a positive response to what we believe as a church, and that's okay. Because we are the presence of God in the world, we've got to do life in such a way that the world, the culture's response to a local church is positive. That their response to us being here is positive, even though their response to our beliefs may be negative. So in other words, they may go, I'm not so sure about what they believe. They believe some interesting things. Their their whole belief system is based on the fact that a dead man came back from the dead and he's alive. I'm not sure about all that, but they're some of the best people I've ever been around in my life. And it makes me interested in what they really believe and why they believe it. The culture we live in, the community that God has placed us in, should be excited that we are here. Their response should be, yes, the Christians have showed up. Things are about to get better because the Christians are here. Now, I'm not, I don't understand everything they believe, and I don't know why they get together and they sing songs and it's not the seventh inning stretch or somebody's birthday. I don't get all that. I don't understand that whole baptism thing and the water and, and the communion thing. That's just kind of weird. I don't, I don't understand that, but I'm telling you what, when they show up, things get better. They're some of the nicest people. They're so kind. And I tell you what, it just kind of makes me think. What, what makes them tick? What is it inside somebody that would cause them to treat people they don't even know with such love and care and respect and concern. Yes, the Christians are here. Unfortunately, that is not the response that the culture and the community often has of us. That needs to change, and you can help me change it. You can help us change it. See, the church, the local church, is called the body of Christ. Do you understand that? And that scripture is very clear. Understand this. The church is called the body of Jesus Christ. So Jesus physically is not here on earth, but guess who is? We are. Genius. So he is in us and he's put us physically in his place to do his work. So no wonder when we remove the body of Christ from culture... Listen, we remove the body of Christ from our community and we go hide out in our church buildings and we go huddle up in our small little groups and we don't know, we just want to stay away from them and just wait for God to to get us to heaven. We are just waiting for heaven, just wait for heaven. Right? No wonder things are in a mess. No wonder the culture is so screwed up. No wonder we've removed the body of Christ from the culture, from the community. I'm saying we got to change that. We got to get back in there. Because typically the local church is only known for its voice, right? What we say, because Christians are awful quick to say what they think, right? And I agree with that, and I don't agree with that, and well, he's right, and she's right, and they're wrong, and that's why I voted, and that's why I didn't vote, and i tell you one thing, and you're all going to hell, and you know, that kind of thing, and it doesn't really help all that much. In fact, it can actually do more harm than good. We need to be less concerned about using our voice and start using our hands and feet. You know why? Because what we accomplish with our hands and feet is more powerful than what we accomplish with our voice. As the hands and feet of Jesus, we are the presence of Jesus. God's people is God's presence and we are to take Jesus to the world by being Jesus in the world. Bottom line here is that God shows up when the church shows up. God shows up when we show up. When we show up in a situation, God has just showed up in a situation. And if we remove ourselves, what have we removed? The presence and activity of God. But when we show up, amazing things can happen. Let me give you just a... um, (laughs) I I love this. I read this not long ago. I I think this so succinctly puts this in such a powerful way. I don't know if you've read the book, The Five Love Languages. If if you're a reader, you got to read this. Dr. Gary Chapman, who actually lives locally in this area, in his book, The Five Love Languages, he says this, physical presence in the time of crisis is the most powerful gift you can give. He's a counselor. He's real smart. So he just didn't make this up. Your body becomes the symbol of your love. amazing. Physical presence. The fact that we show up can be one of the most powerful indicators that God has shown up. Let me show you a video. This is a video showing what this looks like in in real life. We had a team of people earlier this year go to Burkina Faso, West Africa And what you're getting ready to hear described is a real life example. Yes, I know it's on another continent, but this just shows you how God uses our presence to communicate his presence. Look at this.
1: One of the ways that we um, are able to share the love of Jesus with the rest of the world at the summit is through our partnership with Engage Burkina, which serves the people in West Africa. And we've been able to partner with them over the last 10 years or so, providing water sometimes or just some basic needs to the people there. But one of the other things that we do as a church is that we come alongside churches that are just starting out and just offer encouragement and support to them and we were putting a team together and we were gonna put up our 11th hangar, which is a metal structure where the people of the village will come back around and use their mud bricks and finish it all in. And it's a place for them to come and gather and worship under. And we were preparing for this trip and as we were getting ready, we had found out this village that was in need of a hangar, their church had burned. They were worshiping under a thatched roof church um, with wooden sticks and a thatched roof and benches that they had carved out of wood, um, but it had burned. This village was made up of very few believers in Jesus. So Christianity is not welcomed in that environment. They didn't really know who did it in their village, but they just knew that they weren't welcome. And the pastor's name was Joshua. So they came to Joshua and said, "We got to leave. We just we don't need to be here anymore. Let's just find another village." And Joshua just kept saying, "No, God's going to protect us. He's going to provide. just just keep keep the faith. keep going on." And we arrived. I remember sitting at my desk getting getting everything ready for the trip and getting ready to turn in the request for the emergency money that we always take on our trips, you know, just in case something happens and getting ready to write it out and i just felt the need to to add a little bit more to it and budget was a little bit tight so i thought well, you know I'm not really sure we should do this but just the, that feeling just persisted so i just went ahead and went with it so you know we spent three days with them and at night we would all sit around together and eat together food that they had prepared for us i just noticed they kept picking up benches and moving them Back and forth, back and forth, for people to sit on, and at that point, it just hit me that they had lost over half their benches, which was what they used for worship service. And it just, I just knew, like right then, that's what that extra money was for. We were all gathered together right before we left, after everything was finished, and and everyone from the church was there, and. That was when we gave the pastor the money to replace the benches. And he turned around and he, he told the people what the money was for. And they just all just started raising their hands and just singing and praising God and just so thankful. And at that point, the pastor just looked at everyone and said, see, I told you, I told you God was going to take care of us. I'll never forget one of the missionaries one time told us, just be in here, validate your faith and just proves to them and proves to the rest of the people that don't have the same faith. Just your presence there validates the truth of Jesus Christ. After the church was burned, I think the the church felt abandoned, like God had left and they just felt such opposition. But, you know, little did they know, we plan our trips out years in advance and God had already made a way, had already provided for them. Even though they couldn't feel His presence, He was there. So in that moment, um, when the pastor was telling his people, see, I told you, I told you, I think it was God also telling us like, see, I told you, I told you that I'm here. And you realize that he is orchestrating things like he is in the mundane. He is in the times when you don't think he's present. He is guiding, he is working in, in us to bring something bigger, to make something bigger happen even when we don't feel it.
0: Then an awesome story. I love when she said how the pastor said just your presence here validates what you say you believe. Validates your faith and that how they knew God was with them because we of all people, not that we're all that special, but because we are followers of Jesus, God used us. Now, now, that's great, right? God's presence equals God's people. God's people equals God's presence. They're synonymous. And we're to take Jesus to the world by being Jesus in the world. But it, it's about to get really personal here for you and me. Let's talk about what this looks like between you and other people. Let me ask you this question. What do people think when they hear your name? Let me go ahead and tell you, you don't know. (laughs) We don't know what people think. What do people think when you walk into a room? What's their impressions when you leave a room? If you call yourself a Christian, do you know what the name Christian literally means, what that term you have called yourself literally means? It literally means little Christ. And if suddenly you feel a little lump in your throat, me too. What this looks like Is that God wants people in your life to know he is with them by you being with them. God wants people to know that he is in their life by you being in their life. And God wants people to experience what he is like by them experiencing what you're like. You are Jesus to the people around you. Now, if that sounds wrong, we're a little weird. Then we're beginning to tap into the truth of that. The truth is that's extremely convicting, isn't it? Sobering. I mean, the whole point here is that after spending time with you, people should feel that they've been in the presence of Jesus. What do they feel? Glad he's gone. Whew, thought she'd never leave. She talks so much. Right. People think a lot of things when we leave a room. But you know what they ought to think? I tell you what, I feel like I've been in the presence of holiness. Do you know what this means? Here we go. Buckle up. You are to be Jesus to your spouse. Ouch. I'm supposed to be Jesus to Donna. Hey, parents, we are to be Jesus to our children. We are to help them get to know what God is like through getting to know what we're like. Because Jesus said, I'm in them. I'm in them. I will be in them, Father, and I'm going to leave them here to accomplish the mission. The mission always begins at home. The mission always begins at home. This means that we are Jesus to that annoying, pesky neighbor. Doesn't it? We are the hands and feet of Jesus and the voice of Jesus to those people we work with, to the person in the cubicle next, well, maybe not them, but the person on the other side of the the cube, right? No, them too, right? We are Jesus to our enemies. And if you're thinking, well, great, I'm gonna zap them. (laughs) Well, see, that's not how Jesus responded. His enemies. Jesus tells us how to respond to our enemies. Love them. We are Jesus to the people around us. I hope you feel the weight of that. I hope this bothers you. I hope you're not quite sure what to do with this because even in that moment, you're just beginning to feel the weight of this truth. Take Jesus. To them, by being Jesus to them. Because God's people equals God's presence. Where is God? Where is God? You're the answer. I'm the answer. We're the answer. Last week at the end of our time together, I gave you something that you could do, an action point to increase your awareness of God. And remember last week I said, if you will read your Bible for 15 minutes a day this week, especially in the New Testament, it will help increase your awareness of God. And many of you did it. And I would challenge you to keep doing it. It's 15 minutes a day, right? Who knows? One day you may read 16 minutes. You'll be okay, right? Just keep a Bible in the bathroom. Hey, I'm just saying. That will continue to increase your awareness of God. But I want to give you something else. And specifically because of what we talked about today. The answer to the question, where is God? Me and you. If you want to increase your awareness of God, that God is there, yes, wherever it is you're asking the question from, then simply do this. Show love to someone. Because that was the whole point. Jesus said, I'm going in them so that the world will know your love through them. My love through them. Show love to someone. And as you show love to people, Your awareness of God will increase and their awareness of God will increase. They will grow in their understanding that God has not forgotten them, that God is close by through you and in you, through your love. Show love to somebody. Serve them, meet a need. Tell them what they need to hear. Be encouraging. Hey guys, and start at home. Start with your husband, your wife, your kids, your neighbors, and go from there. That's what this 12 days of Christmas thing is all about. We'll say more about it here in a few minutes, but this 12 days of Christmas we're doing right now as a church, this is about showing the love of Jesus. In this, there's all kinds of ideas. I just thought I would read a couple of them to you. These are great ideas, okay? For the 12 days of Christmas, this is something you can do to show love to people. This one's called All Good in the Neighborhood. It says, simple acts of kindness can speak volumes. Return some trash cans, scrape windshields, sweep a porch, help get up those last leaves, and go the extra mile and help hang the lights for someone living right beside you. Christmas lights, right? Isn't that a great idea? Just a simple way, simple way. Here's another one. It's called, can you hear me now? Your words have power. Text an encouraging message to three people, letting them know how valuable they are. Here's one of my favorite. It's called pass some gas. Literally, it's called pass some gas. Surprise someone at the, pump, at the pump with a gas card to keep them going or offer to swipe your card before they begin pumping. So in other words, we're asking you to stealthily just kind of hang out at the pump. <laughs> Not in a hoodie, right? Just kind of hang in your car and just kind of wait. And then at the moment you pounce. With a card. No, just kidding. You have to be kind of stealthy. You know, just be careful. Offer to swipe your card before they begin pumping. This could get someone to and from work or be just enough to get them home for the holidays. Just stuff like that. Those are just ideas. Show love to someone. You figure that out and start at home. You'll be amazed how your awareness of the presence of God will grow. You'll know it more. You will feel it more. You will see him more. And so will they. And isn't that the whole point that Jesus said? I'm going to do this in them so that the world will know. The answer to the question, where is God? Yes, God is there. Wherever it is you're asking the question from, because he's in you, he's in me. So let's be him to others. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this convicting, sobering, much-needed reminder that when the question is asked, where are you? the Spotlight is supposed to go on us, not because we're you, but because you're in us, and you have put us here to represent you. And may we start at home and take it to work and go all over, showing love to people. Father, may we be very careful how we live our lives and how we represent you, knowing that the whole point that you have left us here for this season is to accomplish this mission of letting the world know by showing them, not just telling them. So Father, help me as I strive to be Jesus to people. Help us. As a church, help us as individuals as we strive to be Jesus to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.